0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts.
1: Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 104th Expedition into nerdum? Preparing for launch? Queuing bitchin' rockabilly track. Priming engines. Setting course through the best and worst of 2019. Unencrypting databases on horror. Comics. TV. Movies. Wrestling. Launching ANS in 3. 2. 1.
2: Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. Happy New Year, Christian. Happy New Year. Happy Season Three. That's right. This is our actual anniversary today. Crazy. So yeah. I don't know how this keeps happening. <laughs> I don't know, but we yes, right, January third was mm-hmm. th- when our first episode dropped two years ago. So the show's gone through a lot of changes, um, mostly good, I think. Right. Uh, you know, we've got a Patreon coming soon, I believe. Right. Yeah, it's so- in the
0: works. We're gonna we're we're gonna sit down and just. Mesh out the details.
2: Yes, yes. We just need to <laughs> sit our asses down and try to figure things out, but hopefully there'll be a big announcement coming shortly. Yes. So Christian, with New Year's, did you personally have any New Year's resolutions this year?
0: Um, I mean, it's mostly just to start up my office, get everything nice and clean in my house, and get to work.
2: What's going into your office?
0: Um, I'm building a new computer. I'm putting in new From monitors. Um, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um I just built a new desk for it. Uh we painted the walls. So it's the works. Um I guess
2: got... your own like studio pretty yes. much. Your hmm. own production like studio. Yeah. So okay. I can edit and do all that kind of stuff.
0: Awesome. Um I've already started collecting figures. Uh my girlfriend got me this crazy anime figure that is pretty not PG.
2: Okay. <laughs> I won't ask any further. <laughs> So is that I um, so maybe we'll get some actual like promo videos out of this? Absolutely. Okay. All right, I've been hearing this for two years. <laughs> no, no, I expect big things, yeah um, from the production side of the show at least. What, what I'm are yours? just I'm just hoping to stay alive till phase four. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> maybe cut back on the cheeseburgers and the Diet Coke a little and just hopefully make it to the next Avengers film. That would be so, nice. But Which I'm I mean guessing that's like 20, 2023 20, Probably around there. So I've got some time to it's, go. It
0: probably so, sucks that it's like you know, you have burgers maybe a block away from our job.
2: Yeah. Well that are like a dollar twenty. I live on the same block as the fucking Culver's. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I'm probably not gonna make it, but you know, <laughs> I used to try. Maybe I should do like baby steps. Just make it to like Black Widow. Uh-huh. You know, that's goal one. <laughs> Then uh, the Internals. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Baby steps. Um, but so this episode, we are going to go ahead. We're going to be a little off track, a little, you know, different format for the show. Uh, it's going to be our year in review for 2019. Uh, we're going to be talking everything this episode. So make sure that you pay attention to the timestamps because our show does definitely, you know, cover the gambit. Um, you know, all things horror movies tv wrestling video games comics so uh pick and choose what you want to listen to uh we've reviewed most of this material in the past so this is not going to be full-on reviews at all because it would literally be a 10-hour you know uh, podcast right uh also uh disclaimer me and christian have not seen everything this year (laughs) we've seen a whole fucking lot but we haven't seen anything
0: what was it It was like 30-plus movies and Uh, stuff like that?
2: We have reviewed 36 films this year. (laughs) uh, 12 TV series and about a million comics and, like, a trillion hours of wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's how it feels. Um, But, yeah, no, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. So, but also, the show is called amazing nerd show so don't expect downtown abbey to be on our list (laughs) i'm sure it's a fine movie but that's not what this show's about you know we're not gonna be really talking about any english dramas or anything not there's anything wrong with that but yeah it's amazing nerd show so we know our wheelhouse was that like your movie of the year secretly and i just don't know it maybe (laughs) So, but before we move on, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And we're on all of them. Um, It absolutely helps out a small, independent podcast like ourselves. Only if you give us five stars, though. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, we're not begging or anything, but we're begging. So, without further ado, let's get into the countdown.
1: Warning, nerd. Be prepared for heavy spoilers on all things talked about during this episode. From movies to comics, all topics will be fully explored. You have been warned. I have spoken. Now entering Amazing Nerd Show's Best of TV. So it's been a
0: huge year in TV, as well as film, uh, in general. And we have a huge list for TV in general. This is really
2: difficult. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while to put this together, so I'm not gonna lie. And I'm actually like editing as we're talking right now, mm. trying to I mean, <laughs> debating over my number five pick. So I'm gonna let you go first, Christian.
0: Sure. My number five was The Mandalorian
3: shut up here you go see take a peek everything's fine what is that i don't know what's a pet or something a pet
0: oh. The Mandalorian was a show that kind of took me by surprise a little bit this year cuz i i was expecting something a lot more gritty underground everything but it had so much heart and so much more to these characters that i thought man this is this is so much this is super enjoyable mm-hmm. you know um, This is what I expect out of Star Wars, and what I like—it's got that same homey feel as any original Star Wars film would have. It's like a warm blanket. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in these cold times that they're bringing us. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not go down this road. (laughs) We'll get there though. Um, I really love everything that they've done with the Mandalorian lore. I loved everything that we got with the side characters, even though like. Um, at first, I was concerned that the show was only and spoilers, slight spoilers. If you wanna know nothing, don't listen to what I'm saying right now. Yeah. Um, I was surprised by like, what we got with like it being single adventures where the side characters felt like they are they belong to these single episodes. Now they do, I mean, we do get a big partnership up at the end and it makes all this sense and stuff. but this definitely had a different format than I expected. but at the same time, it was super enjoyable. I, I'd had
2: no problem with the show whatsoever. So my number five pick is season two of Mindhunter. You're a family man, Agent Townshend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a family man too with his
3: keys and his gun. He's teaching his children right now. They're learning his beliefs and they'll be living them. And you, you're teaching your children. Look at yourself. Judge the lies you live in. These children that come at you with knives,
1: they're your children. They were your followers, Charlie. You gave them the knife. You taught them. I didn't teach them. I just tried to help them stand up. And they stood up, went out, and killed seven
2: innocent people.
1: Was it now my fault? It's my fault that your children do what they do? Your own children? So
2: honestly, it's really season one and season two of Mindhunter because I watched them back to back. Mm -hmm. But season two is kind of what got me into it. Mm -hmm. Seeing all the promos and everything with um, Manson that, you know, it was, it seemed like a great, like true crime type of show. Um, And I saw David Fincher's name attached. So I was totally on board. I don't know how I missed it the first season. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, It was just this dark, gritty, crime drama and I don't even know what, if I should call it a crime drama because it is really like true crime and it's supposed to be you know following these real case studies and everything and these real life agents who took on these cases um but you know the way that they explore the agent's psyches by using these criminal minds just really enthralling you know drama um it, It's haunting and creepy at the same time. It leaves you with this feeling of just dread most of the episodes do. It's definitely not the kind of show that you want to pick up on, like, a a normal Monday afternoon or something like that, because it it stays with you. Um, But it's the kind of show I dig. So Mindhunter is my number five pick.
0: For my number four, I had Stranger Things Season 3.
2: Don't you see? All
3: this time we've been building it, we've been building it for you. All that work, all that pain, all of it for you. <laughs> And now it's time, time to end it, and we are going to end you, and when you are gone we are going to end your friends, no! and then we are going to end
0: everyone. Stranger Things has been that show that's continued consistency throughout each season. And still been completely enjoyable. Like, I was, I felt like I was a little concerned for this season because it felt like it was going to be the most different compared to all the two that we had before. And it is, it is a little bit different in general, Uh, but it still kept those, like, it has that great chemistry between all the characters still. Um, the new characters um, that they introduced in last season still work great with everyone. Um, the new villain pretty much uh, for this episode, this season uh, being uh, you know character Billy and everything going forward. He did a phenomenal job throughout the entire show. Um, I really just, there was nothing for me to hate about this season. Um, I enjoyed the different side stories that we got. Um, David Harbour playing Hopper was great again. Um, I love his interactions with the kids and his interactions with with Will's mom and everything, I love the um, the Russian guy that we got in this season. I love that he's playing the, the same character now in Black Widow. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I, I think that guy needs more work in general, other than his shitty film Hellboy from this year. But beyond that,
2: <laughs> that wasn't his fault. I'll argue, though. True. So he
0: did put in the work. He did. He did. He was a high spot of that film.
2: He was. He was.
0: Um, but overall, I think the show really still works. And I feel like the way that they ended off this season in general kind of opens up the show a little bit more than I expected it to. Like, now that it's branching out to, like, um, I think he's in Russia, is the is the rumors, you know, the rumors, and yes. the speculation. Uh, I think that's interesting. You know, uh, we'll see what we get going forward.
2: All right, so I'm going to tag in here because season three of Stranger Things was also my number four pick. Uh, basically everything you said ditto Mm -hmm. but um i just love the fact that it was really like a coming age story um it did feel almost like a second act just with all the characters kind of like moving on it definitely ends on this kind of somber note Mm -hmm. which i actually enjoyed i thought that was a bold move um but i loved the character like arcs in this season um My only qualm, I think, was really like the sitcom kind of like scenario shit, like going on with the relationship stuff. A lot of people just not communicating where like everything could be resolved in like a simple conversation. Um, But that's a nitpick and that's going to happen in every show. Um, Stranger Things, I think we use the analogy of a warm blanket, you know, when we were talking about Mandalorian, uh-huh. it's definitely this like warm, comfortable blanket that you just can rely on. It seems like now every season. So I'm totally jinxing season uh-huh. four, <laughs> <laughs> but they just like, they figured out the formula so well of like doing nostalgia, but not just for nostalgia's sake and hitting all the right notes. And why this kind of storytelling worked mm. in the 80s. So, and they really hit it home here. And once again, the mind flayer, everything with Billy, um, he just felt like such a great villain this season. So, um, and like, you know, how it ended and everything like that actually carried a lot of weight. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I think I, I enjoyed
0: the balance more with the sitcom stuff than you did. Yeah, you did.
2: I was like, all you have to do is talk. So it just, it got so frustrating Uh, at points. It was like, come on. You know, it's cute. I break up with you, whatever, you know. But like after like three episodes of it, I was done. But I love the season overall.
0: (laughs) All right. For my number three, I had the boys. Are you sure what you're saying, son? I'm
2: saying if there is
0: some geezer up there with a big white beard, he's a world-heavyweight cunt. I, I'm
3: sorry, did you just call God a C-word? Yeah, he's got a hard-on for mass murder and giving kids cancer, and his big old answer to the existential clusterfuck that is humanity
0: is to nail his own bleeding son to a plane. That is a cunt move. Come on, even you got to agree hey, with me. Hey, you hey, hey, please. We should lob a fucking nuke and get it over and done with, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? We're sorry, sir, we apologize. My man. All right, good talk, think about it. I'm here all day, all right? This was another show that took me by surprise this year because it just came out of nowhere for me. Like, I didn't know what anything about this. I've never read the graphic novel. Uh, I, I knew zero about this show. And I just saw, hey, people were like saying, oh, it's a gritty comic book thing. I was like, fine, I'll check it out. Uh, it was just really on a whim on, a, on, a, <laughs> on like a mm-hmm. Saturday night. I was like, I'll throw this on. And bam, was I just drawn into the show. Uh, from the beginning moments with the girlfriend and then going forward and just this ride that just does not stop till the end I, I really loved all the characters between Huey and Billy and uh, we had, I don't think her name is Stargirl but it's like Stardust or something, all the characters <laughs> Close enough. exactly, all the characters just work and this was exactly what I needed after watching everything from Netflix to the Marvel films, this is exactly the type of grits and change in a star in a in a hero film that I really need. I almost said Star Wars there. <laughs> so I really appreciate everything that they put into this, and
2: I'm really looking forward to the second season, which should hopefully be coming soon. So my number three pick is the first season of the Umbrella Academy.
3: In October
2: 1989,
3: 43 women around the world gave birth. None of these women had been pregnant when the day first began.
2: How much do you want for it?
3: I have adopted six children. Gifted with abilities far beyond the
0: ordinary. I give you the Umbrella
3: Academy. Does anyone wish to speak?
1: It was a monster.
2: Everything about our family is insane. So this series felt like what it would be like if Wes Anderson did a comic book movie. Um, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, it, it, quirky, fun, um, pretty meta at times. Um, it really just kept me on the edge of the seat, guessing like what was going on. It, I, it felt like it was very unpredictable. Uh, i It's just something that I haven't seen. It was like a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. um, for the genre. I felt like I really feel like it's going to be a catalyst for more material like this, you know, being picked up by the studios. So I just I love you know the characters are especially Ellen pa- Page's character. Um, And I'm really excited for season two. It's one of those seasons that kind of like leaves you at a cliffhanger that really works um, and really left you wanting more. So I, I really highly recommend The Umbrella Academy, and I almost forgot this came out this year. It's one of those, you know, shows that I had to go back mm. and like I was like, wait, was that 2019 or was that 2018? It was a, a really busy year. Yes. So, um, and, I, and this was picked up for season two. I think it's actually coming out this year. So, pretty exciting. For my number two, I have Euphoria.
1: Suddenly, the whole world goes dark, and nothing else matters but the person standing in front of you.
3: I'm envious of your generation. You guys don't care as much about the rules.
1: you are just reaching for something to make it all seem meaningful. Every time I feel good, I think it'll last forever. But it doesn't. <sighs>
2: Nothing lasts forever. I've
1: got an idea. Should I be concerned? You think because I went to rehab, I saved Glee? I
3: mean, ain't that the point?
1: If I could be a different person.
0: So, so little um, times I actually like branch out and try something different uh this is a actually a teen drama something that we don't ever talk about on this show yeah whatsoever because the show's called the Maisie nerd show but this show (laughs) is so good that it transcends that um genre in general okay i'll be (laughs) open-minded tell me more um the show is kind of like it takes on you know drug problems and such like like that in a teen community and it kind of goes a step beyond what we've ever seen in a show before. Like there's 13 Reasons Why is out there. And that's, that's the closest thing I can ever describe the show to. But it actually handles, you know, good character development, good storytelling, and kind of makes you care for these characters way more than 13 Reasons ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was so well done and so well shot that I couldn't like stop watching it. Um, And that's above all these great comic book and action films and everything that's going on. This grounded me back into reality, even though it's a super heightened sense of a show in general. And that's just because of what they do with mind melding and all the different things with drugs and everything. Sounds like Dustin's Creek with Junkie's (laughs) Creek.
2: That's what you're describing to me.
0: I'm telling you it's better than that. (laughs) It's definitely um, HBO worthy. It's definitely gotten snubbed this year from the... the Golden Globes and everything. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing season two and what they do going forward. All right, well, and like I said, I haven't heard anything about (laughs) it, so. (laughs) I would definitely Um, recommend checking it out. It was
2: almost. What is it on? It's on HBO. It's on HBO. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. All right, well, after you blaspheme the good name of Pacey, I don't know if I want to move on with my list, but I will carry on. Um, My number two pick is The Boys, season one your
1: enemies are. They just declared war. You can't do this. You don't have the fight. You never have. This kid is full of surprises.
3: Well, well, well. It's not Not what it looks like. I I thought we had an understanding. I know you're trying to be tough, but we're superheroes for you.
2: All right. So much like Umbrella Academy, this was also a breath of fresh air for the superhero genre. Um, I love the deconstruction of the genre in general, the way they handled it based off of Mark Miller's comic that I've never actually read. Um, you know, I think it was like the first trailer that kind of got me interested in it, but I was completely like you hooked from the first episode. Um, dark, gritty, not scared to pull punches. It was something that we haven't seen, you know, from the genre, Um, And something that I want more of, because there's so many great books like this out there, Um, you know, to name a few, like Authority or something like that, where I feel like it's just ripe to be like on the big screen or the small screen. So hopefully with the success of this show, we'll get more studios willing to take a chance on, you know, something darker with a harder edge. Um, What I really loved about the show, even though you're dealing with these characters with these fantastic powers, it feels grounded it feels very real world, like how these like superheroes would play in society, um, how godlike they would become and how like corporations would just exploit the shit out of it. Um, it that I just I, I loved every second of this series. And I'm so excited that season two is like right around the corner once again. It's it. It's not like the Marvel, you know, Netflix shows where you're going to have to wait two, three years in between each season, which I mean, I loved a lot of those shows, but it was hard to wait that long. It seems like we're gonna be getting in you know, a season every year. All right, and my number one was Watchmen.
3: You know how you can tell the difference between a masked cop and a vigilante? No, me neither. There's a vast and insidious conspiracy. I'd play. If I told you about it, your head would explode. Who are you? Maybe, uh, I'm Dr. Manin. He lives on fucking Mars. You curse him too much. Is life on Mars!
0: your heart out because this was an amazing fucking series i was completely blown away 100 on how well they were able to handle a sequel to watchmen which is In crazy general- exactly it's crazy like at first you know a lot of people were concerned the trailers showed you absolutely nothing of the show just kind of th- threw out a mystery and that's all and you had to figure it out from there um, and that's how the show even starts you know it's it starts off as a classic mystery, but even the structure of the show in general, it is so Watchmen. It is com- like each episode feels like it came straight from a comic.
2: All right, now pump the brakes. Yes. Because I have not watched this, <laughs> this season yet. I am three, or no, two episodes in. Yes. So... No spoilers, sorry. <laughs> I won't spoil anything, but I will
0: say it does get way more Watchmen than you expect. Really? Okay. From that point
2: on. All right, man. I'm so <laughs> excited for this. And I just, it's, I've been so busy with everything mm-hmm. else in the holidays. I haven't gotten around to it. I fell behind and I've just stayed behind. So I, I plan on binging it soon. Um, but yeah, no, I've heard nothing but like rave reviews, which is crazy because, I mean, you remember the trailers, we're like, mm-hmm. eh. You know, and just the taking on the task of doing, like, a sequel to The Watchmen just seems so daunting, and it, it feels almost impossible. But, I mean, this year, or, well, I guess really the last couple of years, we've gotten both in comics and mm. on the small screen.
0: There's going to be a clear argument on what is the better sequel in general, which I'm going to say the show is at sure. the moment, but... Going forward, this was really well done, and I, I'm excited to see what you think of it. Now you're probably gonna hate it since I love it so much, but <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I just think it was the perfect show for this year, and it handles so many issues so well. And it's it's definitely what I could imagine Alan Moore today writing if he were to
2: like redo Watchmen all over again. You know, well, the first episode alone. Mm-hmm. went a direction that I was not expecting and like it literally had me on Google right away so like just try yeah, like, I looked did it up this too. shit really happen <laughs> what the fuck because uh, I never i mm-hmm. never heard about that whole like you know moment in history uh, which is sad you know um, so I mean right away it was super promising I was I was stoked to see where the show went to and then life happened so <laughs> <laughs> alright well what was your number one My number one pick, probably to no one's surprise, the first season of The Mandalorian.
3: But bounty hunting is a complicated profession. They said you were coming. I said you were the best in the parsec. Would you agree?
2: In a time that Star Wars fandom is so divided, I feel like the Mandalorian did like the miracle of actually like building a bridge. You know, between fans where everyone can kind of like agree that this is what we love about Star Wars. Yeah,
0: we all love Baby Yoda. Yeah, So (laughs) there we go. You've created the bridge. I also love Bounty
2: Hunters. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been waiting for a show like this for years and years and years. And I finally got it. And I had to adjust my expectations once I realized that there's this different element, Baby Mm -hmm. Yoda, in it. Um, But it wasn't a bad thing. Um, I really love the fact that it leans heavy on, like, samurai mythos and, you know, old westerns to kind of, like, you know, it's it's almost genre-bending in a way. So, you know, it's all those great, you know, stories taking place in space. Um, I dug that. I really did. Because those stories work for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's modern mythology at its finest. Um, it was, I, I mean... It, but it's not just that i mean i felt like when we did get like fight sequences and action sequences they were all well done i love like you know taking a deep dive into like you know the darker underground of you know star wars and i think when we reviewed this series last we were I think i think we were at like episode 5 i believe and my favorite episodes by far are the last three episodes mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and spoilers for anyone who has not seen the series yet. So, and, and just spoilers for this entire episode. I mean, if you're listening to a year in review you know, <laughs> show and don't expect some spoilers, then, you know, that's on you. But yes, yeah, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. But everything we got with Grand Moth Gideon, I mean, in my book was just a home run. Down to that, like, final scene with the introduction of the Darksaber at the very end, which... just had me on my feet, like applauding, um, you know, in the middle of my basement at two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Uh, Just amazing, amazing. Because I was complaining kind of like how they're playing kind of, it felt fast and loose with like the Mandalorian, like mythos. Mm -hmm. Um, But man, bringing that dark saber in, you know, which was such a huge part of Rebels, really just did my like nerd heart so proud, you know, to see that attention to like detail and everything.
0: No, my jaw dropped and it was like it's not only is it the Darksaber it's like an actual replica of everything like mm-hmm. they didn't like change it at all they didn't like spoof it up this looks exactly like they ripped it right out of Rebels and put it in his hand yes absolutely
2: and I mean season 2 I think it's actually finished it's, it wrapped mm-hmm. so that will be coming out at the end of next year so I'm really looking forward to like finding out more about like what happened to the Mandalorians and you know where we go with Baby Yoda from here.
1: Now entering Amazing Nerd Show's favorite comics.
0: Alright, well, starting off my top comics, I have number five being Uncanny X-Men. Now, for Uncanny X-Men, it's probably been one of my favorite X-Men runs in general for maybe the last five years or so. This is Rosenberg? Yes. Okay. Everything that they did at the end there, um, when it was starting to get super dark, Mm -hmm. you know, when we brought back Cyclops, which... For the love of God, I'm not a Cyclops fan whatsoever. So to see him come back Mm -hmm. and everything that they did between his relationship with him and Wolverine just worked so well Mm -hmm. at that time. And the beginning of bringing back the team and everything, getting everything worked together while your main characters are off in some fucking well, they 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 all think they're X Man world. They think they're all dead. Exactly. So
2: I mean, they're in dire straits. Um, It feels like end times for the Mm -hmm. X-Men. And they really did well with conveying that feeling on the page. So... um it was definitely um, a, a run that was almost on my list. I was debating. I went back and forth with it. So my only problem was just they didn't necessarily stick the landing. Yes. But I feel like that was more due to, you know, Hickman coming in and then having to do like kind of bout face on where they're going direction wise. with the-
0: No, yeah, they definitely rushed into the ending and it didn't feel right compared to what they had written before. But everything that came before, I was so into it and I almost wish it had continued on. But... Um, I mean, what we've gotten with Powers of X and moving forward with uh, the story has been interesting. And I'm kind of curious to how far it goes But I'm also at a point where I'm like, again, I I feel there's almost too many X-Men books for me to read or want to read. So fair enough.
2: All right. So moving on, my number five pick was The War of Realms. Now, this might upset some DC fans, but I don't think a comic book could get any more fucking metal. (laughs) Than this (laughs) book, um, this gave you everything you didn't know you wanted Mm -hmm. to see, um, you know, Spider Man on a fucking flying unicorn, you know, uh, wielding a giant sword. I mean, just crazy ass shit. Um, Things that you just have to like stare at, like panel for panel to really get into it. The art was outstanding. The story was a fast paced, fun ride. This is everything I want from an event book. Um, I'm not a huge Thor guy. So when I heard about this event, I kind of like, I don't know, bristled at it where it's like, ah. Eh. And, I, you know, I'm always worried with these mm-hmm. giant events. They're going to jump into all my other, like, regular series runs and kind of interrupt the story arcs that are already going on. But this did not do this. This was a well-paced story um, that you could just enjoy by reading, like, the main book. And then if you pick up those other tie-ins, you're, you're fine, but you don't have to. So I dug that. Um, it, just a fast-paced story. Um, which I I would argue with one of the better like Thor arcs um, character wise in a long time.
0: No, for me that that book in general was the first time in a long time where I enjoyed an event book from start to finish. Yes. You know, it stuck its landing and it moved forward and everything worked fucking
2: punisher running around <laughs> killing elves i mean you can't get better than
0: that that shit. was a great moment where he has to ha- pretend to be something else and he just has fucking yes shooting. yes he's the punisher
2: <laughs> <laughs> like just seeing that character frank interacting uh-huh. with these fucking you know with these like norris gods is just so much fun mm. i mean just ridiculousness
0: bizarre in the right way for my number four i had champions now, Champions is a book that I've gone back and forth on and given multiple tries over and over and over again, mostly because of fucking Wade. But when I saw a new writer pick it up, um, Zub, uh, and and started doing new stories with it, I was totally, like, I was like, okay, I'll give it one more try. Let's, let's see if someone else can handle it. And what they've done with the characters so far this year, amazing. Everything that they've done with Miles, uh, you know, dealing with uh, Mephesto and everything mm-hmm. going on with that. You know, the, the choices they make where it's just like to fuck with them more than it is. I mean, there is a master plan, of course. And we still
2: haven't, uh, I mean, I haven't seen exactly where it's all going just yet. But. Well, the fact that they start off the first issue of, you know, the new volume with Miss Marvel's death, mm-hmm. you know, and then Miles literally making a deal with Mephesto is just, I mean fucking ballsy is yes. all hell <laughs> but i am with you like i always love the concept of the champions but i really never felt like wade ever you know conveyed what the team really was about um, it just felt like they were kind of going through the paces um zub when he came in i really feel like we got the team at its full potential
0: mm-hmm. there's only so many times you can resurrect uh, vision's daughter Yes, in one book. Jesus, well, I think they're still doing that. But. Yes, but it was, it was getting ridiculous.
2: <laughs> All right, so my number four pick is Jason Aaron's Avengers Run. Um, this actually made my list last year. Also, um, I think we we're in the first like couple mm-hmm. arcs. Um, this book has done nothing but bring me joy. Um, to my Marvel fanboy heart <laughs> the last, like, year. Um, this is everything I want from an Avengers book. Just, you know, giant adventures, like, off-the-wall villains I would never expect to see the Avengers going up against. Um, you know, from Dracula to Ghost Rider, um, the, the whole War of the Vampires, the Squadron Supreme. I mean, there's been some great like world building here mm-hmm. too, just with you know the agents of Wakanda and just everything with Black Panther being in charge. I've loved every aspect of the book. Um, it's just a thrill ride, a, a total like nonstop thrill ride. Um, every adventure feels huge. Um, and it's not it's not overwhelming though. You know, it's well mapped out, which I've enjoyed. So, I mean, you have so many different arcs interweaving, but Aaron's writing strength is really like keeping you in the moment Mm where you don't get lost. Um, He does it. He keeps it simple. Um, Less is more with him. And I mean, you've got a lot going on, but you can understand and track everything where like, I think one of the big problems we had with the Justice League that was kind of similar with like how big they were going was that you would just get so lost half the fucking time. And I'm going to just take this time to bash Snyder's Justice League book, but Mm -hmm. the amount of exposition that it would take for him to tell a story would just completely lose me as a reader Mm -hmm. where Aaron can get you from point a to point B, um, in one book. And it's a clear path where you don't get lost on the way. That's what I really, really enjoy about this book. Absolutely. Well, speaking
0: of DC, my number three is doomsday clock. Doomsday clock was again, one of those books where it's like, I had zero hope for it at the beginning. And I went into it uh, very skeptical, and ended up loving what I was reading. You know, for the most part. You know, we've gotten closer towards the end, and the last issue has come out, uh, and I still haven't gotten a chance to read the final issue of the book. It is a it is a mega fucking book, so I'm 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 gonna give myself some space there. Mm-hmm. But I think, and what else? What hurt it was the spacing where it's like. I had to go three months without reading issues. There's a lot of delays,
2: exactly. A lot of delays. I think the series came out two years ago. It mm-hmm. started two years ago. So basically, when the podcast started, yeah, pretty much. I think we're on like issue two, exactly. So. And it's not that big of a run, you know. I think it's just twelve issues. Yeah, it's just twelve. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, well, what they've
0: done on the page in general made me like, interested every single time I picked it up. You know, it was one of those books I was, like, ready to hate. You know, I was like, oh, they're going to fuck up all these characters.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, they're
0: going to do all these crazy things with Rorschach and uh, every other thing that they could possibly do. Like, what could they possibly do to make sense to add the Watchmen to the DC universe and it all meld well? And
2: feels like a cash grab. Exactly. It could have been just a cash grab.
0: And yet it was still so beautifully written to this point and i've been excited every time i read through each book that this is this is great this is fantastic it's still not the show but it's it was such a good book uh, and i'm excited to see how it ends but i'm also worried to see how it ends cuz i did read the final. i did read the final oh you read the final issue, issue? Yes. we'll talk about it shortly okay <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right well what's your number 3 all right my number 3 pick is Jonathan Hickman's House of X. So when I heard that Marvel was going to reboot the X-Men again, try to start fresh again, I mean, I just let out this deep sigh. Mm -hmm. Because it must have been like the third time over the last five years that they've tried to do so. Um, From the Blue and Gold books that Mm -hmm. they put out to the all new, all different run that they, I mean, just a couple months ago, it feels like, did. Um, I was like, okay, come on now. Just stop. You're, you're killing the franchise here. Mm. Um, but when I saw Jonathan Hickman's name attached, um, who had one of my favorite Avenger runs of, like, recent memory, I was a little more optimistic. So Jonathan Hickman is all about the long game. And that's exactly what he's doing here. You've got to analyze every panel. You've got to really study the book. Um, it's quite the undertaking. He's got like many chapters in between pages of panels. Um, you know, lots of exposition, which I just complained about mm. it, but it works for me on a different level. It almost reads like a sci-fi novel. Um, which I really dug about. It. It's different. It's fresh. Um, and it's something different for these characters. It's a little scary. Um, it, 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 at times it doesn't feel like these characters, but I know that everything he does is about planting seeds um, and that there will be a definitive payoff at the end. So I'm really hooked into the book right now and I can't wait to see where it goes.
0: All right, for my number two, I have Batman. I was a huge fan of um, Zack Snyder's run originally, and that's what kind of got me back into DC books in general. Batman is a book that you can usually always rely on, you know, as a book to get back into comics or comics in general. Um, Going on to Tom King's run has been, like, it was a big change because Tom King has been willing to take a lot more risks with the character. But at the same time, I think it's something I was ready for. Mm. Um, I was ready to see you know a different side of Batman not I wouldn't say just like a different side but more of like him almost to an emotional level Tom King is getting got so deep into who he is as a person and constantly almost like it felt like and I feel like for a lot of fans it's polarizing because it's you know, it almost feels like he's.
2: It's so different.
0: Yeah, it's too different. He's like rewriting who he is as a person, but at the same time, I feel like it still fits in there. Like these are elements that you wouldn't have gotten out of Batman from another writer's perspective. Yeah, and, and, like and
2: you know what, characters need runs mm-hmm. like this. You know, to keep them like revitalized, almost. You know, um, I think it's important that artists are allowed to explore, mm-hmm. and it's it's comics. You can always go back. You know, and just with the next writer, he can set things back to square one. So just relax a little.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be okay. Uh It definitely seems like the studio has taken to the backlash to a lot of his choices. um, And that's why it's ending earlier. But, you know, that's unfortunate. I've really enjoyed it. And a lot of the messages that he's put out through these arcs, through his Batman run, have really resonated with me a lot. And I, I mean, I'm even thinking of getting a tattoo of specific, um, moments from Tom King's run. Wow.
2: So. Okay. That's big time. Oh, uh, the so. only comic book related, uh, tattoo I have is killing jokes. So mm-hmm. must be a damn good run. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that would be your first tattoo, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Tramp stamp. <laughs> you always go back to tramp stamp.
0: <laughs> I'd say how much of a comic means to me you're like oh so you're gonna get a step, Batman <laughs> no you can leave it in
2: <laughs> what was your number two jerk <laughs> sorry um, my number two is The Punisher by Rosenberg this is Frank Castle at his finest murdering motherfuckers. <laughs> I loved everything about this run. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a great time. It made perfect sense for the character. This is just Frank on the war path looking for revenge after the bullshit that Hydra and Baron Zemo pulled. Um, you know, it was just balls to the wall. Vigilante fun. So um, I really, I, I think this was on my list last year. Um there's a few down issues um, here and there, there's a whole like prison arc scene where Frank gets captured, which was okay. Um, But you know, once he gets out of prison and how he gets out of prison, just, I mean, this is what Frank is all about. So he is vengeance personified and that's what Rosenberg does here. Um, the book is totally stylized. It feels cinematic at times. Um, the art is by, I'm going to destroy his name, uh, Um I will definitely be following his work, though, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if I could ever figure out how to pronounce his name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it just fantastic. I highly recommend it to any Punisher fan.
0: All right, Damon, for my number one, a book that you've already said, The Avengers. Jason um, Aaron has done something impossible he's 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 done something completely impossible for me he's made me love an avengers book completely you know um for the longest time for me
2: were you not a big avengers
0: fan i was not a big avengers fan for the comic at least because for me i've always wanted back when i was reading originally i think i was always just stick to the singular book's I wasn't a big team-up guy, and that's just who I was. Okay. You know, it it always came like it was too much going on. I just want to know one character's development and follow that character and go for it. That's fair. That's just how I like to read at the time. But this has been such a well-done story, and and you made a lot of great points where, you know, he's handled um, all these elements going on at the same time without overdoing exposition and I will trash (laughs) Snyder's run. It's there was pages where it felt like there was more panels than there was artwork, you know, like of just words on a page. And I, 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 the balance that there is in Avengers is just so well done. Mm. And and I still, I'm able to understand what's going on. I don't need you to over explain to me. There's a mystery element that I can still follow along um, you know, there's, there's through lines through everything while at the same time el- introducing new elements each entire, like every time there's a new little run of it, of the book, and
2: it's so cool to read. Robbie, Robbie, exactly like the fact that you're kind of seeing the story through Robbie's eyes. Um, you know, I really love that. I, mm-hmm. It really is done such a service to that character and has made him into one of my favorite Marvel characters. Um, you know, and I'm a big Ghostwriter fan, but, you know, I didn't really know much about Robbie. Mm -hmm. It just felt like, okay, well, they tried this out because he had, like, his own book for a little bit. Um, but it got canceled and it felt like they were going back to the well. But I thought, you know, unfortunately, like, oh, are they just throwing him in there to throw him in there to have a Ghostwriter character just because it was something new and different? But that wasn't the case. You know, everything Aaron's doing Is something fresh and different for the Avengers, but Mm -hmm. it all has a point. It all works story-wise. So Robbie being like these like fresh new eyes to this world, you're allowed to, as a reader, really like you know, God pun intended, marvel at this (laughs) you know superhero Uh universe that he's like you know dealing with. Um, You know the fact that he's battling against celestials. He's the modern day Rick Jones. Um, you know, the the teenager who mm-hmm. originally, like, puts together the Avengers. So I, I dig that. Because I think it's important where, you know, fans are allowed to really, like, you know, sit back and just enjoy, you know, the insanity of the story. Um, and I, I feel like Robbie has allowed us to do that.
0: No, and a lot of what was wrong with Robbie's original comic was that it was very generic and almost the characters came off very one-dimensional. Um, Aaron's has... Made every single character in the story, in general, is three dimensional and is handling those all those dimensions to these characters beautifully. Like they all very much work, and you get to see each character play a different part. Where it's like, like let's say Captain Marvel, you know, she's going to have heart to heart moments with Robbie, but then at, at the same time, she's able to still hold on to her past and all of her fights with Iron Man and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's all these different levels to these characters,
2: and they all just are flowing. Yes. smoothly together. There's great chemistry between exactly. the characters and you actually feel for their plight you know, throughout the book. you know, All their different arcs. So, And how cool it is to see Blade as part of the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely different. Yes, it's different. But I, I, it, it works though strangely. Yes. <laughs> Alright, and my number one pick is Doomsday Clock uh, by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Um, they have done the insane task of actually capturing the spirit of the original series um, you know not maybe theme wise but just those characters and bringing them into like the DC world and making them relevant um, and making the DC universe feel more grounded um, I've just I I've really dug it and I I if you told me a couple of years back that I would be this much into a run a sequel to The Watchmen I would say that's just blasphemy um, but that book does not feel like blasphemy at all it makes sense for those characters and like you know the original Watchmen characters that is and their arc it absolutely feels like Adrian would go to these lengths to save his universe, Mm -hmm. Um, you know? And I then really liked the new characters that they introduced with Marionette and the Mime. And at first I was like, where are they going with these characters? But at the same time, I was like, and part of me was like, do we have room for these characters? Because we're telling such a giant Mm -hmm. story. But it just worked. And I I love those characters as much as I love some of the older characters. So, I mean, it, it, it... It was an amazing, it was an amazing run. Um, It took too fucking long (laughs) (laughs) for them to put it out Uh where I had to find myself really like backtracking and rereading issues to figure out where I was in the story. But it it was a pleasure, you know, it really was. Um, And, you know, it was one of my favorite DC books. It's been one of my favorite DC books of like the last decade, honestly, so... Well, that's glad to hear. It sounds like it really stuck the landing. Yes. I don't know if you'll like it, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was well done because I didn't see where they were going. Mm-hmm. Um, But where they went, um, I thought it was a clear message and I understood, you know, the theme of the book without being too spoilery. All right. So you'll hate it, though. <laughs> you'll hate it, though, but I mean the conclusion is very organic. So it it works. For me, at least.
1: Now entering Amazing Nerd Show's best of wrestling.
0: Alright, my top matches for this year, starting off with number five, I had Kota Ibushi versus Jay White. The finals for the G1. Um, I was, you know, on the edge of my seat hoping that they weren't going to fuck me over and put Jay White as the winner of the G1. (laughs) That's the main... like. Most of this list is a lot of emotions for me. You know, it's like, how much did this affect me in general? Mm-hmm. And that was where I was at with that match. I was grinding and hoping. Didn't that's the God. way it should be, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, that's what makes wrestling awesome. the emotion <laughs> that it carries. Exactly. Jay White was so over with them for the last, like, year and a half. I was so worried. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's yeah, how Tanahashi won. They were definitely,
2: so <laughs> definitely pushing him hard, so exactly. I, I understand the anxiety. Uh, what was your number five? So my number five pick was Cody versus Dustin Rhodes at AEW Double or Nothing. Um, this match was high drama at its finest. It really just gave me everything I want as a wrestling fan. So it was a damn solid match, but just the whole like build up to it with the vignettes that they shot, um, you know, talking about the relationship, but then also introducing the narrative, the fact that they're you know. It's Cody, you know, the new, you know, age of wrestler versus the Attitude Era and, you know, Cody's angst against the Attitude Era and what it represents to him. I felt like that was a great, like, you know, just different level layer to, you know, the storyline that I really dug. And then the match itself happened, and it's just, you know, so well done. It, it, some of it kind of reminds me of uh, Flair and Shawn Michaels, you know, uh, Flair's retirement match. Mm-hmm. Um, just like in the ring drama, dialogue happening between the two. I mean, fucking uh, Dustin is gushing blood you know, <laughs> halfway through the match, where I was actually like worried. Um, I I loved everything about it. You know, especially the end after the match, as corny as it is, where you know Cody, you know, chokes his way through his you know lying about meeting his brother um, for a tag match. I thought was just phenomenal. So I mean, this is this is wrestling. You know, yes. <laughs> you know, just the what every everything I want out of a match. it's uh, so what WWE used to be able to do really well. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get at
0: uh-huh. well next up I have for number 4 Young Youngbooks versus the Lucha Brothers in a ladder match uh, this was a match where they completely put their bodies on the line um, It's from start to finish you really think these guys are trying to kill each other Yeah, they it's, are. it's insane no, they're, they're trying to kill each
2: other <laughs> I'm but, pretty sure
0: <laughs> it's insane what they're doing in the ring um, Lucha Brothers have quickly become my favorite tag team in wrestling right now uh, I love everything they are able to do in the ring. Ray Phoenix is unbelievable on the ropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just unbelievable team, uh, and this was definitely like I thought maybe they were dead by the end of this
2: match. Yeah. So yeah, and I love the Lucha Brothers because they even like get me to forget about like how much I love like tag team strategy and shit. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, usually if another team was doing, you know, like kind of the, the, you know, not tagging and (laughs) shit like that, staying in the ring way too long, it would annoy the shit out of me. But with the Lucha Brothers, I can just forget about it and just enjoy (laughs) the match. Because it is like watching a car crash. It really is. Uh, What was your number four? My number four pick is Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Um... This is WWE doing what WWE is supposed to do, creating a moment, um, and it really like once again to heart back to Cody versus Dustin. Th- that's what's missing from the product right now is those big moments. Um, this is w- the one time this year where I felt like they really created a moment. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you know it all came from an organic storyline that the fans started where they got really behind Kofi, who was like a substitute for the Elimination Chamber. Um, but, you know, WWE, when they're at their best, they capitalize that and they actually listen to the fans. And this is the one time they did. Yeah, maybe they kind of kept it going a little too long with him trying to, like, you know, capture that, you know, match um, at Mania, um, where I think it was, like, up to, like, the I think the last week almost. But... It was fine, you know, I mean, they had him jumping through hoops and Mm. it was well earned at the long run, Um, you know, to to the point where I was actually worried that they were going to fuck this up somehow, but they did not and they they stuck the landing and they really created a great moment. And really, if you watch it back, the crowd is so into it, um, which makes it so depressing what happens with Kofi's (laughs) run later on. Uh So, uh, but this was a big WrestleMania moment. Um, probably one of the biggest moments for me in the last, like, five, ten years, honestly, for WrestleMania. So, they need to get back to this kind of storytelling. That's never going to happen. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, we had I mean, we had it here. So, I'm going to be hopeful. All right. Well, for my number
0: three, I had Cody versus Dustin. Now, I knew Cody was good. But mm-hmm. at this point, I... I Came one hundred percent fide a Cody fan, mm-hmm. you know everything like you said beforehand. All the um, promos leading up between the two of them, um, the story that they created, um, the Attitude Era versus the New Age, everything about it just worked so well. Um, and the ring in the ring, they told a great story between the two of them, and you couldn't you couldn't keep your eyes off of this match. You know it was absolutely just gushing from start to end
3: you know not not to pun intended <laughs> pun
0: intended. um i absolutely loved this story
2: and um i loved where it went from there as well um what was your number three my number three is adam cole versus johnny gargano at nxt takeover new york um there was a lot of johnny versus yes. adam cole <laughs> matches to pick from but this was by far my favorite um they clicked so well in the ring Great chemistry. Adam Cole has not had a bad match this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you could say the same with Johnny. It's just he's been injured on and off. Uh, But yeah, no, I really love this match. And I think this feud in general helped get NXT back on track where there was a few takeovers that were a little lackluster. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were still good shows, but not at the bar that they set for themselves where I think this really got them rolling again.
0: Uh, for number two, I had Kota Ibushi versus Okada in week 13 uh, th- of the G1. Uh, this was a phenomenal match to see. And even having Kota Ibushi go over Okada at this time just felt like the impossible was mm-hmm. happening. Um, the losses that Okada took during G1 felt unbelievable and impossible throughout the entire thing so like seeing kota ibushi go over him was just an amazing story and it felt like we were finally getting that ibushi push that we've been asking for for the last three years you know finally getting to see him maybe get to the top of where we got with him versus jay White and where they are right now heading into wrestle kingdom this weekend
2: yeah right that's right that's here jesus christ (laughs) Uh, yeah, one of my New Year's resolutions is to watch more New Japan, because I definitely felt like I kind of fell off, mm-hmm. you know, the wagon with New Japan um, recently. So I need to get back on board and hopefully Wrestle Kingdom will like hook me on um, the way it should. Because, yeah, I was, you know, that G1 was probably some of the best wrestling yes. I've ever seen. Um, which brings me to my number two pick, John Moxley versus Ishii, New Japan G1 Climax. Um I love this fucking match. Mm-hmm. Um, this was John Moxley finally living up to the potential that I always wanted to see from him. The promise of the young Dean Ambrose starting off in WWE. Um, that it just felt like um, his whole run was just him holding back. Um, and to a point where I was like, you know, not knowing everything that was going on backstage and everything is like, is he just lazy? Does he just not care? Cause it felt like he was, he, he was out there and he was working hard, but it felt like he was wrestling the same fucking match mm-hmm. every night. Um, my God, this was like Moxley fully realized as a character and as a performer. Mm-hmm. And then Ishii just doesn't have bad matches. He just <laughs> no, he doesn't, doesn't have bad matches, especially this G1. Um I almost I I hadn't seen enough of Ishii all year round to put him on my top wrestler list, but he almost made my top wrestling, like wrestler of the year list. So I mean I love Ishii and my God, Moxley was just a fucking madman, you know, and I wanted to see more of this Moxley um for years to come. Yes. All
0: right.
2: Uh my number one was Daniel
0: Bryan versus Kofi Kingston for many of the reasons you said her before. Um, this was what they needed to do with storytelling in general. Um, you create stars this way. You build, you know, off of the fans' reactions as well. Fourteen years in the making, right? You, you would think. <laughs> um, I had always been a huge Kofi Kingston fan, so this was a huge moment for me. Mm. Um, finally, getting to see this, you know, something I thought never would happen for Kofi Kingston Mm -hmm. to even happen at WrestleMania of all places. Because you grew up a fan of Kofi Kingston. So that's huge. It was such a great moment where I was like there, like almost crying, waiting for it to Uh happen, you know, it's just like sitting there watching this finally happen. It was such a huge match and then the
2: run afterwards was just kind of disappointing and it fell flat. Yes, absolutely it did. Um, all right, well, my number one uh, wrestling match of the year is Shingo versus Will Ospreay. New Japan Pro Wrestling's best of the Super Juniors final. Um, holy shit, is this a good <laughs> fucking match? Um, if you get a chance, take a look at this match. Um, find me a flaw, I dare you. <laughs> they click so well in this match. Um, the peaks and valleys that they take you to, everything's perfectly timed, everything's perfectly paced. Um, I haven't seen two performers work at this level in a long time. So, I mean, I'm not a huge, like, Shingo fan at all, but this made me a huge mm-hmm. fan of him. And Will Ospreay has just come into his own as one of the best wrestlers in the world this year. So, because he's had plenty of matches that I almost put on this list. No, I was going to say, it really has been his year in general. Amazing. Amazing. Um, just, I, mean, I think he's found, like, the right balance for him um, style-wise. So, um, but the, he, it just feels like there's nothing he can't do Mm -hmm. in the ring. But I mean, Shingo is just the perfect opponent for him because he's also that style of wrestler, um, where everything he does too, it looks so believable. It feels real. And that's what I love about him. Um, just a, a fantastic performance.
0: Well, now that we've talked matches, let's talk who were our top wrestlers
2: this year. Absolutely. Do you have some honorable mentions before we move
0: on? Um, My biggest honorable mention, I would have to say, is Adam Cole on my list. Okay. Uh, As you said, Adam Cole has not had a bad match this year. Um, He has run NXT from start to finish. I loved the prophecy of gold, you know, everything that we've gotten with the Undisputed Era and their storyline throughout this year. Uh, This has definitely been all about Undisputed Era with NXT this year. And I've I've enjoyed it. Um, what were some of your honorable mentions?
2: Uh, John Moxley. Uh, I feel like he'll probably make my list next year. Um, I just, you know, I've only seen a few matches of his. You know, this year, um, you know, he's only wrestled really, you know, a handful of matches. And then I've got the stench of his WWE run. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, I love everything that I'm seeing. I'm really excited for his run in AEW and New Japan, for that matter um also ishii is definitely on my list um and okada for that matter but it's more of a case of okada
0: didn't make top five (laughs) huh okada
2: didn't make top five but i haven't seen enough okada Uh. matches once again i kind (laughs) of fell off my new japan kick lately um so i feel like i've only saw like a handful of matches he definitely deserves to be on my list it's just i haven't seen enough matches of okada to put him on my list. So this is what, like we said at the top of the show, this is just what we've watched mm.
0: this year. So. Well, speaking of Moxley, I have him as my number five. Okay. Um I've really enjoyed I've always been an Ambrose fan from the beginning. You know, seeing him just do the wild shoulders and Pot of plants. And, exactly. <laughs> I, I was there for it all, man. I stuck through it what was the name of the plant again um the As- ambrose asylum match
2: no the plant what was the name oh of the plant? mitch mitch
0: <laughs> you got a mitch shirt no i do not but I- i'll take one you're a liar i <laughs> <laughs> no, mean i was i was through all the dumb gimmicks and stuff that they were doing wwe i was i was a big fan when he became wwe champion i was super excited it was my cover on facebook yeah, you know, I I went that far. Wow! <laughs> yes. Wow, you're all in. Okay. <laughs> so to finally see him unleash, you know, finally getting to be the unscripted version of himself um, in AEW has been exciting. Seeing him in New Japan was something I never, you know, imagined possible. Getting to see him go through all those matches in G1 and everything like that. But just seeing him
2: unchained, exactly, and just not worried about a thing and being able to wrestle his own style. You're right. I mean. It's it's been a hell of a year mm. for Ambrose. I
0: think this is, and this is only the beginning.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, my number five pick is Daniel Bryan, and it, it is absolutely like a low key number five pick because I think people just forget mm. how good Daniel Bryan is. Um, he has good matches nonstop. Um, the character work he's done as a heel this year. Um, the work he did with Kofi Kingston, um, it, hell, even the the match he had with Bray Wyatt, you know, as the Fiend, um, pulling off the impossible and having a good match in that fucking red light, just amazing. Um, I'm excited to see where his character's going, you know, after being shaved completely and kind of going back to like his American Dragon roots. I do keep getting like totally surprised. Like I'm like. Am I, is this twelve is this twenty twelve or are we? He looks like a different guy. <laughs> yeah. He really does. It's amazing. I, I wouldn't be surprised the little story he tells about his daughter if that was true. Cause he looks so fucking different without he looks like ten years younger, uh-huh. right? Um uh, but you know, I I love um how he's kinda changed his style, but not really. Um which actually worries me a little. Um just but but seeing him come back kind of Flat, And then having to reinvent himself um, as this monster heel. And even though they kind of put the brakes to Mm -hmm. it, you know, because I think McMahon thought he was getting too political and everything. um, Man, I love that run. Yeah, It
0: it was interesting because people were using his, like, promos for political, like, tweets and stuff like Uh that. It was a crazy time. But I I do wish that they hadn't put so many brakes
2: on him at that point. Yes, yes. But he kept on going. It Mm -hmm. didn't stop him, so... Um, yeah, no, I think the world of Daniel Bryan.
0: Um, for my number four, I had Shayna Baszler. I think she has just grown as a talent to a point where I'm like, this is the woman of WWE at the moment,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
0: to a big extent. Like, I think she is one of the most talented women out there in WWE right now. I, I've been totally impressed by her this year alone. But, I mean, we did see a lot of great things in 2018 and
2: 2017, but this was really, like, her year as champion, She feels like a threat, like Mm -hmm. a legitimate threat to Becky, where I hope they end up going with like her and Becky at WrestleMania. So I feel like they've kind of planted the seeds with Survivor Mm -hmm. Series and will eventually get there. That's if Ronda's not coming back by then. So, but yeah, no, it it feels like it's only like the natural progression for that character. So I give her another like maybe week or two on NXT before she's called up to the main (laughs) roster. But I mean, they have, you know, the perfect person to take her replace with Rhea Ripley. So um, they, they, they booked that perfectly. So my number four pick is Jericho. Um... Jericho is only only number four just because he hasn't wrestled that many matches this year, but everything he does is gold right now. I mean, if you think about how much he means to AEW and what you know he's brought to the table for that company, I mean, at forty eight years old, mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, just I mean, he is you know the biggest straw that they have, and it. It shows rating-wise. He has not lost um, a single segment in the ratings war with NXT. Every single one of his segments are like number one for the night. That's impressive shit right there. Mm. But everything he does is fucking entertaining. Um, from top to bottom, to the small things, to the big things. It's all worked. So And he's the perfect first champion for them. You know He really is the franchise right now. So, I mean, I I really can't say enough. And I think he's doing a lot to help build a lot of the younger talent. So I I love that he's fully invested, you know, with AEW Mm. because he could just be cashing a check. But he's not in a lot of like, you know, older wrestlers would do that. But, you know, and he realizes, and we've had many versions of Jericho, but this is probably the best version of Jericho we've ever gotten. So, I mean, this is him at his full potential. Just, you know, from the stuff that he's done as, you know, the painmaker in New Japan to like this kind of like prima donna rock star character that he's bringing to AEW. So, and just everything that he says and does catches fire instantly. <laughs> so, I, I can't say enough about Jericho and what he's meant to just the wrestling landscape mm. in
0: general. Hey man, ditto, because number three is Chris Jericho. All right. right. <laughs> Absolutely. Everything he has done has been gold. I, I have never been so entertained by him at this point. You know, I, and I've always loved Jericho segments. Yes. Throughout history. But this has been... Absolutely. I mean, sorry to say it, you've peaked, but no, it's uh, yes. this is great. This is like him at top performance.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, what he did for New Japan a couple of years ago mm. and then, you know, what he's doing for AEW at this age and this stage, you know, of his career. I can't think of another wrestler to ever pull this off. So, I mean, my God, hats off to Chris Jericho.
0: Yes, it would be interesting if he is the bridge
2: between AEW and New Japan. So apparently, Meltzer today um, on the Wrestling Observer Show, he doesn't know what the end result is going to be. But the fact that that both companies are kind of mentioning each other now definitely means that there's been some kind of talks starting between the companies. You know, we'll see
0: where it leads to. Could you imagine golden lovers going back and forth? Oh my god, that'd be the
2: biggest thing in wrestling. It would be. It'd be huge. (laughs) It really would be. Or Okada, Uh you know, Omega on American soil. Yeah. Okay, that's a a different show. Let's move on. Who is
0: your number three?
2: So my number three pick is Cody. Just like Jericho's, your top heel. Um, Cody's absolutely your top babyface right now. Um, you know, and that's in all the promotions. There's no one as over as, you know, Cody as a babyface. And at a time where there aren't many babyfaces left, Cody is doing it and showing you that you can do it um, still. So, I mean, just from his promos to his in-ring work. I mean, he's another one who he does what he needs to do. Um, It's a minimalist approach, but you know, his matches all work and it's all about storytelling in the ring. You know, he doesn't have to do 35 flips in the ring to get over, mm-hmm. you know, it's the little nuances. Um, he gets that. So, I mean, the apple has not fallen far from the tree. You know, just like his father was one of the greatest faces of all times, Cody is absolutely going to get there if he keeps on this, you know, uh, track. Hey, again, ditto, because my
0: number two is Cody Rhodes. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this has all worked out way too well. But um, absolutely, he is the top babyface in wrestling in general. Hmm. Uh, he has really shown, like, it doesn't matter if you put a mic in front of him or you put, you know, any opponent next to him. He is going to be the
2: top shining guy there. He feels authentic. Mm-hmm. He feels real. His promos feel real. You know, he really speaks to that fan base. Um, th- the promo he cut before the Jericho match is one of the best babyface promos I have heard in years. So, I, my God.
0: If he told me Chase Owens was the crown jewel, I'd believe
2: him. You know? <laughs> that, that's saying a lot. <laughs> I love Chase Owens. <laughs> Leave Uncle Chase alone. <laughs> All right, who is your number two? Uh, my number two is Adam Cole. Um, baby that's right from the (laughs) swag (laughs) to just the insane great wrestling matches like I said the guy does not have bad matches Mm -hmm. Uh, you know he almost stole fucking Survivor Series and a completely like thrown together match last minute Um, but my he just he's just he's just clicking on all levels right now as a performer Uh, I really hope that he gets to be the face of NXT for years to come Don't call him up to the main roster, please. It's going to happen. I know. I know. But it's just... (laughs) Oh, my God. I I feel like he's got a face run in him before he gets called up, though. Hmm. Um, I think he'll work really well as a face. And it would be a different dimension of the character that we haven't seen. So um, I I hope that we get that for him. Because I I just have no faith whatsoever um, for him in the main roster just because of his size. So I hope that they really take NXT as a third brand seriously, and they just let him be the face of the company. You know, he could be their Ric Flair if they let him.
0: All right. Well, while LAJ will always be my number one thing in New Japan, Kota Ibushi has become one of my favorite wrestlers of like all time at this point. Uh, the things that he is capable of doing or willing to do isn't saying it sometimes mm. uh you know the fact that he knows how to land on his head the safe way he says uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> so to say yes Cody obushi is my number one um everything he did in the g1 was fantastic as you saw he had two matches on my my list of five years. yes yes he did <laughs> everything but did i don't him. blame you no he's been an absolute perfect performer um even when he gets injured he's being a madman, I'm still running into the ring as much as possible, but I'm really hoping that you know 2020 is kind of his year at this point. So does is he walking out of Wrestle Kingdom
2: with the title?
0: I think that is the most logical answer to everything that's going on now. The dream is Naito. <laughs>
2: He's winning. He's winning. They have to. You say that,
0: but every ah, time I say that he he has to win... I know, we've said that for the last three years, Exactly.
2: (laughs) I think his time has come. I think Kota will get his moment. I think think he might beat Okada, but I don't think he gets past Naito. Yeah, and I think it'll be like a different level of heartbreak for him. And that'll be the storyline. That he only had the belt for like 24 hours.
0: At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised though if it's um, Kota versus Jay White.
2: I wouldn't either. I so. And I wouldn't be surprised if just Okada just kills everyone. So,
0: <laughs> true.
2: <laughs> We've seen that too. So. We
0: always we always put
2: Okada like right in the back of our mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well this is in our Russell Kingdom preview show, yes. so let's move on. Uh, my number 1 pick is Will Ospreay. So everything I said when he, you know, took match of the year yeah. for me you know, ditto (laughs) times two, whatever. Um, he is just the pinnacle of perfection right now in the ring. Um, just the chemistry he has seemingly with everyone is amazing. Um, his moves are so fluid. He's worked on his mat game. He's put on, it feels like 10, 15 pounds, but it hasn't slowed him down at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I just the guy is clicking on all cylinders, and I just don't see there any stopping him. The only person who can stop Osprey from you know maintaining this level of you know performance is Will Osprey, because I wish he'd stop landing on his fucking head. <laughs> um, it feels like he's gotten a little better this year. Um, he's learned to slow down a little and it hasn't affected his matches at all. But my god, he terrifies me sometimes. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like Osprey is going to be in that main event, Wrestle Kingdom picture sooner than later. I could see him winning G one next year, absolutely, or this year. I mean, absolutely. I I don't feel like mm. I, I thought he was going to win it this year. Honestly, the way they're getting behind him. So, um, you know, there's people out there who've like been kind of critical of New Japan, saying that they've like made him into the new Kenny Omega, whatever. Osprey's made himself into the new Kenny Omega. Yeah. You know that's not like downgrade what the guy's done just because he's getting a push. You know from the office. That's and ridiculous.
0: he's definitely better than Rollins. I'm just gonna put oh, the line yes.
2: in the sand. Yes, <laughs> no, <laughs> I will say Seth Rollins is a damn good wrestler, uh-huh. but yes, no, he's better than Rollins. <laughs> All right, let's move on.
1: Now entering Amazing Nerd Show's Best of Films. All
2: right, Christian, it's main event time. Our top films of 2019. So before we move on, spoilers. Yes, <laughs> as for everything in the show, we've said it multiple times. Once again, we haven't seen every fucking movie in the world, but we've seen a lot of them. <laughs> um, and it's a nerd culture podcast, so relax. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> there'll definitely be a theme that you see running through our picks. These Absolutely. are our favorite movies, not maybe the best technical, you know, movies in the world. I'd argue. Okay. <laughs> Agree or disagree, these are our favorite movies of the past year.
0: All right, well, starting off with number five for me, I had The Joker. Hey hey,
3: hey, hey, hey. Mr. Franklin. <laughs> buddy. Oh, come yeah. on, Gene. That's all bullshit. Thank you, Murray. I feel like I know you. I've been watching you forever. Thank you. What's with the face? I mean, are you part of the protest? No.
2: No, I don't believe in any of that. <laughs> I don't believe in anything. I just thought I'd be good for my act. For your act? Didn't you hear what happened on the subway? Some clown got killed.
3: He's aware of that. He's aware of
1: Yeah.
2: No, I hadn't heard. Yeah. You see, this
3: is what I'm telling you. The audience it's is going to go crazy if you put this guy on. Maybe maybe for a bit, but not a whole segment. Gee, it's going to work. It's going to work. We're going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you know? Murray. A couple of rules, though. No cursing, no off-color material. We do a clean show, okay? Mm -hmm. You go on right after Dr. Sally. I love Dr. Sally. Good, good, good. Well, someone will come and get you, okay? Perfect. Good luck. Thanks, Murray. Uh, Murray, one small thing.
2: Yeah? When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? What's wrong with your real name? That's what you called me on the show, a Joker. Do you remember? But I I don't know.
3: Well, if you say so, kid, you know. Joker it is. It's good. Thanks, Murray.
0: While I don't feel like this film is a masterpiece, I do feel like this is a extremely well-done film in general. And I think it's probably my favorite thing Todd Phillips has ever put out. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what what I mean, Hangover, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what um, him and Walking Phoenix you know, accomplished in this film, with his character in general, uh, was definitely a different take. But it was something I was very like I was intrigued and drawn into the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, cinematically, it's beautiful. Um, there's some music choices here and there I'd like to change, but that's you know um, the dancing makes sense. Everything um, the twists of the character in general, just watching him fall apart, or necessarily we don't know. How damaged she is in the beginning, so we don't know where he is as a character. But Joker, um, throughout this, is Joker. You know, at the end, you know, you really feel while uh, he, well, he's not a hero whatsoever. You really understand him as a character by that time. You really get where he came from through this origin story
2: of his. So All right. Well, my number five pick is Midsummer. Sorry.
0: I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned.
3: It's sort of a crazy festival, special ceremonies and dressing up.
0: That
2: sounds fun. Unbelievable.
1: Welcome and happy midsummer. Skol!
2: So this is the sophomore effort uh, from Ari Aster. Um, He wrote and directed the film. Um, He did my favorite film from last year, Hereditary. Um, So I was really looking forward to this movie and it did not disappoint whatsoever. It's taking place in scenic Sweden um, where, you know, the background is this, you know, just gorgeous environment while we're watching this whole nightmare unfold. Um, You know, there's something that just feels off kilter about this entire movie. Ari Aster is a maniac. He does not give a fuck about you or what <laughs> you want as a film goer, and that's what I love about him. He feels dangerous. Um, you know the choices that he makes are bold. Um, you know it's as a horror movie fan, you want a director like this who's not scared to hold back. Uh, he just uh, the performances are off the charts. Um, from Florence Pugh, particularly. I, I really loved her character. She felt authentic. Mm-hmm. She felt like a real person, you know, dealing with this shit. And you can watch her slowly lose it throughout this movie. Um, I love all the reveals and, you know, the nightmare sequences that she's doing. The movie makes you feel like you're on drugs half the time. Um, you know, and I, I really think it works Ariester, you know, as a film director, makes you take a journey with a character where, you know, they're on drugs. So you're going to feel like you're on drugs, Um, you know, and it's quite the experience as a film goer. So I I really, really am excited to keep on following his career and and see where he goes next.
0: really big breakout year for Florence Pugh as well.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, she had the Page movie, right? Mm-hmm. I can't think of the name of the fighting with my, but family. she got nothing but critical like praise, and mm-hmm. now she's going to be in the Black Widow movie. I know she did Little Women mm-hmm. recently. Um, that's probably the first and last time you'll ever hear us mention Little Women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a fine film, yes. but you know, um, just you know, not our wheelhouse. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm really excited to see where her career goes. So. But my God, the anguish she goes through as a character, just, I mean, it is stunning. Like, you know, like the arc she goes through just from the opening scene. I mean, like I think I said with our original review, Ari Aster just punches you directly in the fucking nuts. (laughs) He does not mess around as a director. Mm
0: All right, for my number four, I had Alita Battle Angel. Again,
1: Again, again.
3: Look at you. Where are you going? What's the matter? My little toy doesn't want to play anymore? I'll turn you into a living pendant to adorn my chest. Then I can hear your voice every moment of the day, pleading for mercy! Fuck your mercy.
0: Robert Rodriguez really went to to war for this film. Uh, he had the hardest challenge, um, him and Rosa Salazar really were able to put together a, an anime character film, um, in live action. And it's fucking enjoyable.
2: Um, which is it, right. It doesn't usually (laughs) happen right? with that genre. It's It's usually
0: a a jumbled mess of, you know, mixed cultures that just don't work. (laughs) And for some reason, some reason no one can get that right. Mm. Um, and they went to battle against James Cameron of all people, because this was very much his screenplay, his baby, his works that he wanted to put out there. But Robert Rodriguez made it his own. Uh, he really was able to find a way to make this action flick. And I, even my first viewing, you know, I I took shots at you know the storytelling and the way it was. But overall, over time has passed, um, I've really grown to love this film. Um, I've I love everything Rosa uh, did with the character. Um, the challenges it took probably to have this completely CGI you know world that she's in, um, and make this big-eyed character really display emotion and come to life and everything. Um, the effects in this film, while they might not be up to par in like twenty years, right now looked unbelievable. Like it was just stunning the way that they were able to capture um, this character and really bring her to life. Um, I I'm disappointed that there may never be a sequel, but for what we got and what we got in kind of like a cyberpunk genre of a film, um,
2: this was exactly what I needed this year in general as an action flick. So I've been hearing more of a groundswell mm-hmm. you know, from fans about like getting a sequel done. Um, you know, like I think there was even like a petition out there. Um, could you see this possibly be, you know, getting a sequel like in a different medium, like as like a show or something?
0: Um I mean it would be interesting. It's it's going to be up to Disney at this point now that Disney owns the property. Oh, Disney owns yeah, it. Yeah, cuz it took over Fox. Jesus Christ. So they own everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean it would be it'd be exciting to see them do, but I haven't seen a glimpse of interest from them yet. You know, yeah. I haven't seen any
2: rumblings of them like would you like this or something like that hey. out there but if they feel like there's money into it mm-hmm. and there's that much of a demand for it, I, I feel like they will do it because they they want to make money. We've yes. seen that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number 4 pick is Jordan Peele's us. I'll keep you safe. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a family
3: in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But y'all scared a family?
2: Hi, right, can I help you? Zora. Put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get
3: crazy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: So I just recently talked about this one because we did a top 10 list for horror movies of the past decade, Um, you know, and... My God, this definitely belongs on my list for 2019. It was one of those movies, once again, where I had to go back and check to see that it actually came out this year Mm because it feels like it was years ago at this point Um, because I believe it was March. But yeah, no, um, just top-notch performances. Jordan Peele understands horror. He realizes that it's a genre that could have a message attached to it and that that message can be important. He knows how to hit that home with the audience. Um, it doesn't come off as pretentious. Um, it doesn't come off as heavy-handed. But, I mean, the message gets across um, in a well-crafted, you know, piece of art. And that's what Us is. And that's what Get Out was. Um, you know, but it, this movie is really all about the performances. And Lupita Nawanga, I, I, I really hope she gets nominated or gets some kind of credit. Um, or at least, you know, like an idiot like me gets her name right. So. <laughs> I can never say her last name for some reason. Nawanga, I, I'm not going to try. Okay, I, <laughs> Lupita. Let's you. say Lupita. Lupita yes. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Winston Duke is fantastic in this too, um, and I love Elizabeth Moss. And I can't think of her husband's name, the actor who portrays him. But I mean, they're both fantastic as the you know weird neighbors. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I just, I, I. You know, it's something that I've never seen before. It was fresh and different, and that's what I appreciate. All right, for me, number three was Spider-Man Far From Home.
3: You're a very difficult person to contact, Spider-Man.
2: This is Mr. Beck. Who could've used someone like you on my world? New world? Beck is from Earth, just not ours. A snap
3: to our hole in our dimension
2: you're saying there's a multiverse we have a
3: job to do you're coming with us
2: there's got to be someone else you can use what about thor off world captain Marvel unavailable but comes just a friendly neighborhood spider-man
3: bitch please you've been to space
0: now this might be biased because i was also far from home on vacation or on my birthday when this came out. But at the same time, John Watts has created a Spider-Man that is fucking Spider-Man. You know, there's no doubt in your mind that this is Peter Parker. Um, <laughs> the portrayals by Zendaya and Tom Holland as MJ and Peter have been perfect through both films so far. Um, and, and their chemistry is just Insane. Um, mm-hmm. on the screen um everything we got with uh, mysterio was very fun um the sequ- the mysterio sequence in the film was awesome I wish there was I still wish that there was more um, of those single like attacks that he was having instead of like the big
2: um, scene that we got towards the end
3: but-
2: yeah yeah, I, but you know what? I mean, if you told me ten years ago that they would be able to pull off Mysterio, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't believe you because <laughs> that character is just—I mean, on even in the comic books, mm-hmm. it's hard to pull him off. But I mean, everything that they did made sense with the character it's like okay i could see that working you know the fact that they tied him into like you know tony stark and everything you know with all the technology and him having a team Mm -hmm. you know with him you know he's not just some kind of like special effects guru (laughs) Uh, so i it it all worked and i was pleasantly surprised and it almost made my list also so i'm a big spider-man and this is a pure spider-man story yes and
0: also it had the task of following up Endgame, which was one of the biggest films of
2: the decade in general. Yeah, it closes out Phase 3. Exactly. So, I mean, it's a perfect epilogue, though. Um, And it was the perfect character, I think, to leave MCU fans with hope, you know, for the future of Marvel. Yes. My number three pick is Joker. Joker.
3: Can you bothering my kid? Sorry. Arthur. I have some bad news for you. <laughs> this is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, to do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts?
2: this movie is all about fucking Joaquin Phoenix for me. Um, you know, Todd Phillips obviously is in love with Martin Scorsese. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he decided to try to, you know, meld the two worlds of Martin Scorsese and, you know, DC comics. Um, and the fact that it worked is just amazing. So I, I, I dug everything about this movie. I love that it's just this, like, pure character steady um, of a man losing his mind. Uh, it really goes above and beyond what I was expecting, and I was expecting a lot because I love this character. So um, I I still of the mind of I don't want to see a sequel to this. I'd rather have it just be its own thing. Um You know, I love all the choices they made from the laugh to the dance. Um, You know, I love that, you know, we didn't have, you know, a superhero running around in the background, that it was just purely about a man, you know, at rock bottom. So, um it does you know this great job of you know being a social commentary at the time and even though it takes place in the 80s i feel like it's saying a lot about you know where we're at as a society nowadays so um you know bravo to the joker all right my number two was endgame (sighs)
3: Some people move on. But not us. Not us.
0: It was ten years in the making, Damon. It was going to have to be perfect. Otherwise, it would have ruined everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Endgame is definitely an amazing film. Uh, it really put together everything in just kind of the almost the right way. You know, there's, you could question the time travel a little bit. You could question anything with time travel. Kind of just gets wonky at times. Yes. Uh, and
2: for some reason this didn't bother me for once we remember how terrified we were before the movie when we realized that time travel was an element in it so yeah i agree (laughs) but they did enough where you just kind of like eh whatever it is what it is you know they explained it well enough where you could kind of believe it you just can't think about it too hard Mm -hmm. afterwards so um i mean there was nothing in this film that i felt like well, yes,
0: of course. You know the heroes are going to win. It's a superhero film, mm-hmm. but at the same time, everyone gets that emotional payoff of a ten-year story that it just works so well. Um, everything works just perfectly. Everything from even I even enjoyed um, oh, Smart Hulk, uh, Professor mm-hmm. Hulk that they did in this. You know? What I
2: love about it is that's actually on the page, just yeah. directly from the comics. So I I. I I really was happy to see that version of the Hulk actually get screen time. Mm -hmm. So, and I feel like it's the perfect arc for that character.
0: No, every character just feels like they're in the right place in the story. Um, Every little, you know, every fetch quest felt fine. Nothing was just over the top to the point where, you know, it was like campy or anything like that. Um, And I felt like Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in this was perfect and the, gr- the right end to his character if they were going to end it in this film spoilers <laughs> we've we've put spoilers in this i'm gonna put spoilers in the robot voice uh, uh, I, yeah. it's
2: it's too late now if you haven't seen the movie yet you just don't give a shit so no. whatever uh all right well my number two pick the lighthouse So when we did our top horror movies of the past decade list, I had not seen the lighthouse Mm. yet. Um, Well, guess what? I finally fucking saw the lighthouse (laughs) Um, and I love every second of it. Um, You know, Robert Eggers impressed me with the witch um, and he did more so here with the lighthouse. It's just claustrophobic. Um, You're watching two guys in a fucking lighthouse and it, I haven't been so entertained, you mm-hmm. know, um, by a film in years. I, I really, really enjoy this insane ride that we're, you know, put on by Eggers. Um, You feel like you're going insane with them. Uh, just you have no clue what the fuck is really going on. What's real? What's not real? But I, it is avant-garde filmmaking at its like highest form. Um, I really, really loved all the choices that he made. Um, William Defoe is just off the chain good. I hope he gets nominated mm-hmm. also. I feel like he will. And I now believe in Robert Pattinson as Batman. God damn it. So, um, <laughs> you know, that makes no sense from this performance. <laughs> but I feel like he could pull anything off. Uh-huh. So, I mean, if you told me this was the Twilight guy, I wouldn't believe you. So, but yeah, no, Sparkle Pants did it here. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, I just, I mean, God... This movie is such a nightmare. You really do feel like you're going fucking crazy Mm. with them. I mean, from start to finish, um, you know, and it's so beautiful. Like the cinematography in this film and what he does with Black and White, everything he did with the, the score, you know, the choices he made, you know, how it's really less is more. I highly recommend the Linos. Me too, because it is my number
0: one. All right. The reason it's my number one is because Eggers was able to do such, as you said, minimalist, like a minimalist masterpiece without the 10 years of build up that the endgame needed, without, you know, the character driven, um, you know, fan base that Joker would have had. You know, this film is so its own entity and so perfect from start to finish. The performances, as simple as they are, are maddening. You know, you watch them go insane. And as you said, you're going insane with them. Mm-hmm. You're you're on this total wild ride. And it's just two guys on a lighthouse. Yeah. And maybe
2: a mermaid. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe a mermaid. I was actually thinking, like, <laughs> during the film, it, it feels like this could actually work as, like, a stage show. Mm-hmm. Like, if they wanted to. Absolutely. Like, right? Um, it would still have to be
0: William defoe and Robert Patterson because I ain't going <laughs> to see it with anyone else. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't know who else could pull off that fucking accent.
0: God, William Defoe was perfect in that Yes, show. yes. That speech he does when uh-huh. he's going after um, Pattinson's character.
2: Yes. Unbelievable. And just super quotable. Yes. You know, I mean, it just, <laughs> it's the kind of movie that stays with you for days. Um, yeah, no, man. God damn good movie. <laughs> I was waiting for you to see it. All right, what was your number one? Avengers Endgame. So, Avengers Endgame is number one on my list because this is how you end a fucking saga. Um, And we see, you know, with this year, you know, well, at the end of this year, it's not that easy to do, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, They stick their fucking landing here. Um, We get all the big moments that we want from these characters and then some. All the choices that they make carry weight. Um, You know, what they set up matters. The fucking comic book didn't even do that. In the comic book with what everything that happens with the Infinity Gauntlet kind of just gets wiped away. You know, everyone gets brought back. No one remembers anything except for a core set of characters. No, this shit fucking matters to the MCU. Half of the population loses four years of their life. Of course, you're not gonna go back and just wipe the slate clean because in that four year period, babies have been born. You know, relationships have been started. So, I mean, the fact that they did it so smartly, it's just really impressive. And I mean, just great filmmaking. The Russos. Uh, It it really sets up, you know, this open, you know, landscape for MCU to really just, you know, go on and discover. Um, I have no clue where they're gonna go story-wise with these characters. You know, how we're going to get back to an Avengers team from here. They're all kind of set up on their own paths right now. Um, We all know by the end of Phase 4, the beginning of Phase 5, you know, we're going to probably get an Avengers film. Mm. But I want to know how we get there. So, um, but just, this is fan service done right. I don't feel like fan service is a dirty word. Like, I don't feel like that's a bad term. I feel like mediums like comic books lends itself to fan service for a reason. It's it's in the story. It happens organically. Um, so, yes, you're going to have that big fucking moment where all the fucking heroes show up, you know, and you don't defeat the villain. That is a comic book trope for a fucking reason. That's the reason why we read comic books, goddammit. Uh, so they did it perfectly. They hit a home run here. You know, I loved Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved Endgame as well. Alright, so those are our top films of twenty nineteen. Uh quickly honorable mentions, Doctor Sleep, Horror Fans, please go see the film. Uh for me, Spider Man uh Far From Home. I almost said homecoming. Uh fantastic uh, film, What superhero movies should be. Uh and then also then also John Wick three, um, probably one of the best action movies of all time. Yes, uh, what they did on film with violence is pure poetry. No,
0: I completely agree. John Wick chapter three is one of my honorable mentions. Um, I had Ready or Not, which I thought was a fantastic, you know, horror film. You know, it it was campy at times, but it was still a great film. Um, uh, I did have Midsummer on my honorable mentions. It was a great. It was really well done. Really well shot. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if it was just fucking less travel, <laughs> uh, I could handle it a little bit better, and it would have been a great film. I agree uh, with that. And then I had Us uh, as one of my honorable mentions.
2: Oh, yeah. Us was on your list. I'm surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, absolutely. All right. Let's move on. Yes.
1: Now entering Amazing Nerd Show's worst in nerdum.
2: All right. So we didn't want to do a worst of list just because it just feels incredibly negative. And there's such great content, and everyone's trying at least I think out there, you know. <laughs> so I don't want to shit out at anyone's hard work. Sure. But, sure. <laughs> but before we go, we want to talk about some of the worst moments in nerdum uh, this past year. Christian, you have the floor. You want to do like maybe two or three bullet points? We don't have to go too deep into it since it's like three o'clock in the morning.
0: Sure. Um, I do want to mention the AEW sound team just kind of dropped. <laughs> fucking ball uh,
2: they do make him feel bush like yes which is unfortunate
0: i just feel like um there's there's so many little things for production levels that they could do that would make the show seem so much more perfect if they just fix the little parts like the the sound it's like, so weird how awkward was it when cody rhodes came up from the floor and his music didn't transition to his entrance music it's just so bizarre. For like
2: five minutes. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. I don't know if like Tony Khan's like cousins work in the board or something. I mean, it should be a quick fix. Like, mm-hmm. fire whoever the, whoever the hell's working <laughs> right now on sound and hire someone new. Because, I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, I watched a fucking high school football game the other day. They had better sound than fucking AEW. Exactly. It's not that fucking hard. Um, all right. Well, do you have any others? Oh, well, of course I have
0: the um, the, the DQ and a hell of a sub so, because that's not possible. Um, yeah (laughs) it's it's just not i don't care what you write i don't care what referee is there fair enough they should have just killed the referee and moved on yes yes
2: (laughs) Uh, that also was a moment on my list yes just because it was a bad fucking match exactly um you know they made wyatt too unstoppable too unbeatable where i feel like they've kind of ridden themselves into a fucking corner here so and then i hate that fucking red light (laughs) <laughs> more than anything and it was like char- you're getting used to it it's a character that i was super excited for and to have that really be like his first like big match um just really disappointing wrestling wise the last thing i want to talk about is kofi losing in seven seconds to brock lesnar um you know his whole run as champ was flat for me uh but i didn't want to see him go out like that mm. i mean i think it was just an unfortunate case of the didn't have a plan mapped out for him they didn't know exactly how they wanted to book the character they were having him go over strong but storyline wise he never really had a signature like feud yeah so but to have him lose the belt in that fashion and then have no follow-up as a character you know not even a fucking promo backstage talking about his title reign and his loss of the belt. Or just a rematch in general. It's just disappointing. It's oh, it one of the reasons why WWE has been kind of on a downward spiral for me mm-hmm. of late.
0: It was a heartbreaking moment. And that was like your first, that was your first SmackDown yeah. on the new show and everything. that felt like that put a bad taste in everyone's mouth in general. All right. Well,
2: speaking of shitting the bed, uh, comic book wise, uh, <laughs> Tom King's Heroes in Crisis definitely did not do it for me. Um, I'm a huge fan of Wally West. I felt like it was a huge betrayal of that character. I'm a big fan of Tom King. So I was really excited for that book. And I really enjoyed the first couple issues. And I don't know what the hell happened, but it was not what I was expecting. And it was really disappointing to see them kind of treat my favorite Flash that way. Um, On the movie front... Horror fans, where the fuck were you? <laughs> Doctor Sleep was a great movie. Mm-hmm. No one came out. I feel like that movie is going to be looked upon as a classic. I know it didn't make my top five, but it was definitely, if it was a top six, it would have been there. Um, I feel like people missed the boat on that movie, and I'm hoping that people are out there going to actually discover the movie for years to come. So,
0: Do you think it would have brought, like, brought more people in if
2: they had called it The Shining 2, Doctor Sleep? <sighs> Unfortunately, maybe. I mean, I just, I I really hope that people aren't that fucking stupid. I mean, the marketing was definitely catered Uh towards Shining fans. But, and part of me was like, well, maybe it's because it is so marketed as a sequel to The Shining that it maybe made people want to stay away. Because that is ballsy to do a fucking sequel to The Shining. But it's Stephen King. It's coming from the source of God himself. So, I mean... I don't know. I wasn't scared of it. And it was a damn good movie. So and I hope that we actually get more from the story. Um, They really do kind of set up where there could be sequels. Um, But hopefully it's King who's kind of guiding that Mm -hmm. ship. Uh, Mike Flanagan did a fantastic job. And I can't wait to see, you know, he's another director where I'm really pumped to see where his career goes. Um, But last but not least fucking kiss at the end of rise of <laughs> skywalker <laughs> so i saw the movie for a second time if you want to hear a full review of the film check out last episode mm-hmm. um, i went with my daughter she has completed the nine film saga she's five you know we, we've been working on it since the beginning of summer uh you know so this was kind of the payoff for her gold star S- for parenting so yeah <laughs> i try um but yeah no Just once again, I I will say I enjoyed the movie a little more the second time I saw it, but that kiss bothered me even more the second time around because it just doesn't make any sense for those characters. And it feels like it's the wrong kind of fan service. You know, they wanted to please all those fans that were shipping fucking Kylo and Rey at the end of Last Jedi. So they went ahead and they threw that in there. Where they could have just had the arc be, you know, Kylo ends up saving her and then becomes one with the Force and that would have been fine, you know. I would have been fine with it, but there's no reason for that kiss to be there other than just to please all those fucking fans and now it's backfired because all those fans are pissed off apparently that kylo dies at the end and they don't get to see a full-form relationship between the two even as a raylo fan i felt that moment was he's a genocidal maniac it makes no sense she's kissing fucking hitler She's, it doesn't make any sense. He's space Hitler. <laughs> He's destroyed planets, killed millions of people. And we're supposed to be like, oh, well, he helped me out here. So I'm going to go ahead and, you know, plant a wetland on him. What? I don't it know. It doesn't that. make any sense. Even the bond that they have was being manipulated by the fucking emperor. You know, we thought it was Snoke at first, but apparently Snoke was the emperor. You know, just him pulling his strings. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make any sense story-wise. So, And I feel like it cheapens Ray as a character. So, I don't know. I would say as a whole, Rise of Skywalker probably was
0: the biggest disappointment for me of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was something I had so much hype going into. It's a Star Wars film. I, I of course, will be hyped for that. That's one of my biggest fandoms. Yeah, and and to see it be this kind of rush feeling project product, um, and as we said before, you know, fan service can be a great thing. Marvel yes. handled it perfectly. This took all the toxic fan service and
2: answered those questions. They were just trying to please everyone, exactly, and it didn't work. And I think I actually enjoyed the Rise of Skywalker overall more than you did. Um, it's a mixed bag for me at best, but mm. um, I still. In- there's parts of the movie that i think they got right but there's so many missed opportunities um you know where i think today trending was you know released the jj cut yes. oh my god um, where if there is like a director's cut i'm fine with because we were saying like the movie could have been a half hour long but it sounds like it's actually just fucking relo fans thinking that there's somehow a be- like a, a fully formed relationship between Kylo and Rey I hope that they, happens. Or just like Kylo survives, I guess. I hope I they understand know. that that can never happen. In like, they truth. would
0: never be able to release a film that completely changes the ending like that. Oh, God. that would, That's not possible. To continue on with a saga going forward, to continue on with Star Wars going forward, yes,
2: you can't change the ending like that. No, no, it makes no sense. No. Um, you can't please everyone. It's okay, Disney. Let it go. <laughs> you see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my uh-huh. daughter. My daughter's been watching Frozen a lot. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> now entering Amazing Nerd Show's best in nerdum.
2: All right, so your favorite moments of nerdum, Christian.
0: The unveiling of the Darksaber at the end of Mandalorian. I, again, as I said earlier, my jaw fucking hit the floor. My girlfriend's looking at me like what's that what's so important about this uh, i had to go into the history of mandalore i had to explain the dark saber and how awesome this fucking thing did you is. start a
2: rebels marathon
0: <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to man that that was so exciting to see something from the 2d anime the 3d animated shows be brought to live action
2: such a big story element yes. to
0: be brought to live action and as you said i think um, off mic it shows that they care yes they care about the
2: stuff that they put beforehand because um, we're questioning it at first with exactly. you know the way that they're treating the mythos of like the Mandalorians but no they do care apparently mm-hmm. you know and Favreau we trust of course the start of the Wednesday Night Wars uh with
0: uh, AEW and NXT live both starting up uh it's really rejuvenated my love for wrestling Ditto. In so many ways. That was on my list. While I did say I'd be watching Raw and SmackDown, that quickly died with shitty product. Yes. Uh,
2: <laughs> it is a task, my friends. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, that was definitely on my list. Uh, the Baby Yoda reveal. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, hundreds of great memes. Um, just a, a fun character and something I wasn't expecting, something I didn't know I wanted, um, and just leave so many great questions. For, you know, the Star Wars universe, Um, I'm really, you know, interested to see where they go with that character and how it plays out. Um, The DC universe, um, you know, films coming back, um, you know, they're at a very low point, you know, after Justice League. Um, The fact that they kept on moving on um, and they've put out some great movies the past year. So I'm really excited to see what the future for DC holds. Um, And then, Avengers is something. Avengers! (laughs) <laughs> the End of Endgame. I I feel like it was one of my favorite movie going experiences of all time. I literally shouted out in the theater and I'm not that person at all. <laughs> I hate that person, but I couldn't contain myself. You know, my nerdum was shining. I was wearing it like a badge. Um so it was one of my favorite movie moments of the past, not just the past year, of the past, you know, decade. Um I really, really felt like it was the perfect ending to that film. Absolutely. So, um and last but not least, Tom Holland drunk dialing Bob Ager <laughs> and getting Spider-Man back <laughs> into the MCU. We almost lost Spider-Man. Yes. So <laughs> the fact that he was able to broker a deal between Sony and Disney mm. and bring them back to the table and they could work things out like big boys. And, you know, the MCU is whole again. Bravo, Tom Holland.
0: <laughs> and my number one moment of the year, which has stuck with me to this day, I still have it playing in my head, um, never-ending story moment from um, Stranger Things Season 2.
3: <laughs> it's an
0: awesome moment. Yes, it's, it's adorable, and it's you know, uh-huh. totally out of nowhere for the, all the consequences that they're in right at that moment. You know, the world is coming to an end, and she needs to hear the fucking
2: song. Oh, Christian, you're softening up, man. you. <laughs> you're growing as a person. Yes.
0: <laughs> My heart grew three times that day. It is a fun moment. Yes. It really is. <laughs> so. But that does it for our 2019
2: year in review. All right, man. It's been quite a year. Um, I'm looking forward to 2020. We got some big things on the horizon. and the next coming episodes, we'll actually be looking at our most anticipated films. Uh, for the year and we'll also be doing a horror movie preview yes all right well before we go if you want to check out any
0: other podcasts head over to bigheadmedias.com there's plenty of great podcasts there to check out um, you can also head over to dramacityproductions.com another great website
2: for podcasting that's right and uh make sure you go ahead and subscribe rate and review uh to us on all your favorite podcast platforms Uh, And you know what? If you want to support the show further, go ahead and buy a shirt over at ProWrestlingTees.com or TeePublic.
0: Yeah, we'll be soon uploading our newest logo to both of those. That's right. Get your nerd swag on. You can find anything that we talk about on our social media. That's at Amazing Nerd Show. Um, That's on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. So definitely give us a follow. We're definitely worth it.
2: All right, if you like the uh, song that you heard at the top of the show, that's Them Guilty Aces, a local Chicago rockabilly band. Uh, go ahead and check out their stuff over on iTunes. Uh, and if you're in the Chicagoland area, you can check out a show. They pretty much play every weekend. And follow them on social media, too. I don't know their fucking tag, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and then uh, what the music you're hearing right now is Greg Brebner. Uh, he's uh, our house DJ. He's over on SoundCloud, and you can follow him on Instagram. Yes. Yes. That's going to do it. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's The Amazing Nerd Show.
3: Hey. Mrs. Stark. Can you hear me? It's Peter. Hey. We won. Mrs. Stark. We won, Mrs. Stark. What? You did it, sir. You did it.